At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash artofman and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash artofman, A-R-T-O-F-M-A-N, podsurvey.com slash artofman. Thanks for your help. Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. Have you ever walked into a room to get something only to forget why you walked into that room in the first place? Do you constantly forget where you parked your car in a parking garage? Or do you have trouble remembering people's names? Well, after today's episode, you'll be well on your way to never forgetting these things again, because my guest today is champion memory athlete Nelson Dulles, and he's got plenty of advice on how to improve your own memory, even if you think yours stinks. Nelson is the author of the book, Remember It, and we begin our show discussing the world of memory competitions how Nelson got involved with them, and what records he's notched so far. Nelson then corrects a couple common myths people have about memory and makes the case for why you ought to care about improving your own. He shares the overarching system he recommends to improve your ability to retain information and how to use it to remember where you parked your car, people's names, and the items on your to-do list. Nelson also explains the reason we forget what we walked into a certain room to get and what to do if that happens to you. He then walks us through how walking through a memory palace can help you remember lists, speeches, and more. Plenty of action ready easy to remember tips in the show after it's over check out our show notes at aom.is slash remember it nelson joins me now via clearcast.io nelson dellis welcome to the show Hey, thanks for having me. So you are a memory athlete. You're a grandmaster of memory, and you've won several USA memory championships. All right, so for those who aren't familiar with what a memory athlete is, what is a memory athlete? Uh, A memory athlete is someone who memorizes competitively. And then the next question is, what are these competitions like? Is it the game of memory, you know, where you're flipping over cards? That's what most people think it is and trying to match them. But no, it's, it's a bunch of different memory tests across a day or a number of days, depending on the format. And it tests numbers, cards, names, lists of words, whatever you can think of. We probably have a, an event based around that. And how did you get involved in this? Was this something like when you were a kid, you were like, I love memorizing or you sort of fall, fell into it by accident? No, not at all. You know, people ask me this about my past. Like first, when did you discover that you had this gift? And I'm the first to correct them that, you know, this is something I learned about 10 years ago. And then the next question is, well, you must have had some, you know, inkling that you were good at memory when you were younger. And the short of it, the true answer is not really. I had an affinity for certain things like any kid might do. And I probably could memorize something that I really cared about back then. But in general, I'd say my memory was pretty subpar or average. And then, yeah, over the years, once I discovered this stuff, um, it just 
lit like kerosene and and took over my life. Well, in in the book you wrote, remember it, where you talk about you know, memory techniques. You talk about how your grandma getting Alzheimer's also played somewhat of a little bit of a role in you getting into this stuff. Totally, yeah. I mean, that's that's what kind of put memory on my my map at the time, just because she was struggling with Alzheimer's and eventually it took her life. And you know, I was sitting there. I'd never lost anybody close to me in my family or in my life really yet. And so that really hit me and it made me question myself and, and what being having a healthy memory or a good memory was. And if there was anything I could do now to change that. And that kind of led me down the rabbit hole of these championships and the techniques behind the, the championship winners. And so what are some of the, you, you hold several records, world records for memory. What are some of those feats that you've done? Yeah. I mean, listen, the sport's always changing like any other sport. So I've had records and then lost them and earned them back and then lost them again. And so I, I currently have two U.S. records. I believe one of them is an, a, a world national record, but the, the one I'm super proud of is memorizing the most names in 15 minutes, which is 235 names. And then I believe the other one is also names. Uh, I think it's like 125 na- international names, which is a big difference than right. the 235. But you got to see these names that show up in international competitions. It's like combining Chinese first names with really long Indian last names. It's it's from all over the world, so they're really difficult. So uh, let's talk about memory. I mean, why should regular folks you know, who who don't plan on memorizing you know thousands of digits of pi? Why should they, you know, work on their memory? What do they stand to benefit to doing that? Yeah, it's a great question. And I had a, an event last night where somebody asked me, like, why even, why do we need it at all if we have instant access to all the information we need, right? That's a fair question. But, you know, what kind of gets it for me is that I'm using my brain daily. And because of that, I'm able to make it stronger, sharper, you know? So if if I am in a situation where, I need to use my brain, which is all day long. I can be very confident in its performance and I know how to use it. I'm very, I'm able to control what's staying in my mind, what's coming in and out of it, how I use it, how I access it. And that's a really empowering feeling. And I don't know if people these days have that feeling anymore. It's kind of like a, a fake sense of, of control because you think that because you have information at your fingertips that you have a master of anything you want. And I guess there is a bit of truth to that, but deep down it's, it's, you have zero control or less and less control the more you rely on these devices and Wikipedia and Google and stuff. So there's that argument. And then there's also the, the health side of things. You know, if you're not using your brain, it's becoming, you know, it's, it's wasting away. Right. If, if, if you're injured, you break your leg and you're in a, in a chair for a long time because you can't, uh, you got to rest it. You see that leg atrophies, right? It, it loses all its muscle. It looks really thin and, and weird. And, you know, if you don't use your brain, it's the same kind of thing. You, you forget how to memorize well. So. No, I like that. So we, uh, maybe this will probably come up later, uh, but we, a few weeks ago, we had a, a guest on the show. She wrote a book about navigation. Okay. And like relying on GPS is sort of atrophying our brain. Yeah. And I think we'll talk about this because uh, navigation and memory are innately connected. In fact, some of the memory techniques rely on us sort of going on a journey in our brain. Yeah. Yeah. I, I told this story a few times uh, this year because it, it really stuck with me is my wife lives in upstate New York and 
I'm from Miami, so I know Miami very well in terms of directions and where everything is laid out. But upstate New York, I've had to learn over the years as we visited, you know, her parents and family. And it, one of the most recent times uh, we visited, you know, I was like, listen, I still don't know how to get from point A to point B, these very common routes we take to go to the gym or to the town. And I always just put it in my phone, you know, and follow it. But that doesn't help me because I, I don't know anything about where I am, where things are related to each other. So that one time I was like, you know what? I'm just going to wing it. I'm going to figure it out. If I get lost, I get lost. But you know what? The struggle is going to help me remember, you know, those mistakes will help me remember if I make any. And sure enough, I, I found my way home. It wasn't easy, but my brain figured it out. And because of that, I remember now how to get from point A to point B, you know, and, and just that act of struggling through it and really trying to situate myself, you know, and try to understand the layout in my mind did wonders for my brain. It was incredible. Let's talk about some of the myths people have about memory. And I think you mentioned one in the introduction where people assume the reason you're good at this stuff is because you have some sort of innate gift, like you were born with a good memory. Yeah. And that sounds like it's not true. Yeah. And I think that's in general over all of humans, I don't think having an incredible memory is, is something that really exists. Like you, you hear people talk about photographic memories. People are just born with it. I've never met anybody like that. Sure, there are some cases, you know, autistic people at, or people with Asperger's who have, you know, who are capable of solely one task and they're extraordinarily well at that task and it has to do with memory. That's a special case. But the majority of people, you know, we all have the same memory. We have, we're all given the same tools and uh, it's how you work on those skills, you know, um, that sets you apart in terms of your memory skills. It's not innate. Are there any other myths about memory that people have? Uh, yeah. I mean, another one, and this is kind of related, but people think that if they have a bad memory, that's just what they're stuck with, right? That their memory can't change. And that's totally false. It's something you can work on no matter how bad any of your listeners think that your, their memory is, you can use these techniques and become a champion, even if you, if, if you really wanted to. All right. Well, let's talk about some tips on how to improve our memory. And some, some of the broad general tips you give in your book, remember it, is first thing you got to do is like you got to trust your memory. Yeah. Why, why is that important to trust your memory? How does that help? Yeah, because uh, I think one of the, the biggest killers of uh, uh, being able to have a good memory is when you doubt yourself um, or if you believe that you have this bad memory. And most people do, unfortunately. So often when I go in to give a speech or some seminar, I try to really show people that, first of all, they can do this. And secondly, that their memory is just as good as anybody else's, that it's not bad. People get stuck in this, you know, acceptance of, yeah, I have a bad memory. That's just me, you know, bad memory, McGee, whatever. But that's, that's not the case. And, you know, people have to get out of that and just go for it. Give it, give your memory a shot and just trust in it. And I found that the best kind of performances in my memory and competitions that have happened were when I, totally believed and trusted in my memory and kind of went for it. And it's the craziest things because you almost feel like you're not memorizing. You're just kind of going and you're in that flow zone in a way. And, and I was able to memorize, you know, one of my fastest times or the most of digits or names that I memorized because of that trust. So there's different techniques you talk about in the book, but all of them have this overarching system involved and it's C link go. So let's talk about the C part of this. What are you talking about when you say C? Yeah, so C means basically see the thing that you're trying to memorize in your mind's eye. Basically turn it into a picture because our brains remember pictures better. 
And often the things that we're trying to memorize are difficult to see. If you, if you look at them just for what they are, right? Like a number or a name, right? Often they look very complicated or foreign or don't really have any meaning. So if you can see it, and by seeing, I really mean visualize it using all of your senses, right? Try to think of something that conjures up an image, right? whether it's you know, associative or you know, it, it actually conjures up an image. Try to picture an image for the thing rather than seeing the number or seeing the actual letters of the word, you know? Gotcha. Um, so uh, this is an important step because you can do this with abstract ideas too. Like you're talking about, you know, how can you see liberty or you can yeah. think of the Statue of Liberty? Yeah. So simple nouns, right, that you know and, and know what they look like. That's easy to visualize, right? But then there are different types of information that get harder. So abstract terms like liberty, what would you picture? Well, I can't really picture a liberty, but I could maybe picture the Statue of Liberty, right? So that's a natural association I might make, and it's a very tangible image I can create in my mind, you know? And I visited it when I was young, so I can maybe tap into that feeling I had being there with my dad and getting to the island and stuff like that, and the color, right, of the that that green, right? And then just maybe even the feeling of New York, right? All these kind of senses tap together with emotion. That is the true essence of seeing. And, and your brain loves that. It just gobbles that stuff up versus stuff that's very dry and hard to picture, you know? And what memory becomes eventually is how do I encode that thing into a picture I can see? And there are different strategies for more complicated things like numbers and binary digits or cards. Yeah, we, we can talk about some of those things here in a bit. But let's talk about that linking phase. Yeah. And there's several ways to link, but it, like, what does linking look like in its you know, simplest form? Yeah, so linking, uh, in essence, so I mean, the idea of having a single picture, right, that you see is good, but it's not very good unless you kind of anchor it or link it to something that you already know. And that's what learning is. That's how we learn. You know, if you've ever really thought about how you learn something, it's by association and by connecting it to something in your mind. And, and think about it. I mean, if our brain is made up of all these connecting neurons, right? And somewhere deep down, the most fundamental neurons, the, the basic ones, the, the home-based ones that are responsible for the most simplest pieces of knowledge that we know, everything is built off of that. Right. And, and so something new that you learn, you're going to try to relate it to these well-established networks that you have and, and make it kind of a shortcut along these paths so that it's easier to access later because it's all related and intertwined, you know? So in short, the, the, the quick and easy way is just, there are different strategies to, to relate that new thing to some things that you already know. And that, all of these steps are kind of, they're meshed together because kind of if you're, associating it to something you already know, you're almost kind of already seeing it in a way too, because, you know, if you hear the word liberty, right, and I start seeing it, I'm also kind of linking it in a way too. Gotcha. And so that, that could be like, well, you know, when you learn someone's name, you're trying to remember someone's name, you might link it to a, a, a celebrity that like you you know in your brain already. And so you picture the celebrity and link yeah. that with the, the person's name you just learned. Yeah, exactly. And, and the, yeah, and the linking part also is responsible for 
how you access the information later. So it's, it's almost equivalent to saying, how am I going to store this information? And there are different strategies to go about that. If you meet someone, for example, you might want to link the picture for their name, the thing that you're trying to memorize, to something about them, right? And that's the thing that you would notice every time you saw them, right? And, and that's the thing you know, because you see that, your brain just tends to see that thing and notice it every time. So attach that image or, or locate it onto this. Uh, it would be located on that thing of that person's face. Okay. We'll, we'll talk about some more complex uh, linking techniques here in a bit, but let's talk about the Go. What does Go mean? Yeah. So Go is like the, the final glue, the, the special sauce that kind of brings it all together. You know, if you come up with a picture and you store it or you link it, you're good to go for the most part, but you really want to go with it, meaning really take it to the next level in terms of how you visualize all of that happening together. That means make it weird, make it bizarre, make it go way over the top, tap into those emotions, put some movement and action into that image, and all that together should make that image as sticky as hell in right. your mind. So it's like if you're thinking, if you're trying to link something to pizza, you know, like don't just think of like a pizza emoji. Like you want to think of like an actual pizza, like heat waves coming off of it. You can smell yeah. it, or there might even be like a dead rat on it. Right? Yeah, yeah, just, exactly. The more you know, think of all your senses, think of all your emotions, and try to really hone in on on a few of those for that image. Right. So the less static this picture is, the better, and the more uncomfortable or disturbing, uh, hilarious that it is, the more it's going to stick. Well, that's just, you're taking advantage of how memory works. Like we remember stuff that stands out. Like if you think back your childhood memories, like the things you remember the most are the things that were really bizarre and happened maybe once. And that, like that, that's how your memory works. It remembers things that are not, that are different from everything else. Exactly. Yeah. So this is essentially what we're doing is we're trying to make everything that we memorize different and unique, which is a challenge sometimes, but we know that it works. So we can try to emulate that every time we're given some data that is crucial to remember. We're going to take a quick break for your word from our sponsors. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with a thoroughly modern design. The exterior has been reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender capability is legendary, whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions. Durability has been tested to the extreme, cargo capacity means more room for your gear, and there's been powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system that keeps you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering, and the Defender is ready for a wide range of adventures. The Defender family features two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. Push what's possible with a vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. That's LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. All right, so if you're like me, you've probably signed up for a whole bunch of stuff that has a recurring monthly fee. Subscriptions to newsletters, subscriptions to services that you use online, uh, could be a streaming service, something like that. You sign up for it and then you forget about it. And then every month you're getting charged and charged and charged and they just all add up and you have a hard time trying to figure out where did I sign up for this? I don't know where this is coming from. 
Well, let me tell you, there's an app that can help you with that. It's called Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. I had a chance to use Rocket Money and it works. You connect your account to it and then it goes through your accounts and helps you find those recurring subscription fees that maybe you forgot about and then you can cancel them and save yourself a bit of money each month. Stop wasting money in things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com manliness. That's rocketmoney.com slash manliness, rocketmoney.com slash manliness. All right, if you have a family, then you need to get term life insurance to protect them. It's one of the smartest financial decisions you can make, and the start of the new year is the perfect time to get it done so you can focus on whatever else the year has in store for you. Fabric by Gerber Life was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. There's no risk to apply. They have a 30-day money-back guarantee and you can cancel at any time. I remember when I was a new dad, I had a lot of thoughts going through my head. One of them was, how can I take care of my family when I'm gone, if something happens to me? Well, it's one of the first things I did. I got term life insurance, one of the best decisions I made. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash manliness. That's meetfabric.com slash manliness. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash manliness. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Picture that thing you've always wanted to learn. All right, you got that in your head? Now picture learning it from the person who's literally the best at it in the world. That's what you get with Masterclass. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors, and many of these instructors are former AOM podcast guests. You can learn negotiation from Chris Voss, leadership skills from Jocko Willink, how to master your habits with James Clear. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. So recently I went through the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss, a lot of useful information in there, talked about the value of known in negotiation, how to use your body language and speech patterns to get your best out of a negotiation. Very well done. I really enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. Right now, listeners of our podcast can get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash AOM. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash AOM masterclass.com slash AOM. Check out the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. And now back to the show. So let's walk through some of the, how the C-Link Go works and some very like, you know, remembering everyday things. So like one thing you talk about in the book is someone asks you to go do something. Maybe it's your boss says, hey, do this task for me. I need a hundred copies of this thing. And then you're like, okay. And then like 10 minutes later, you're like, oh man, what are the what did he ask me to do? So how can you use C-Link Go to remember that sort of stuff? Yeah, so the first thing would be to, okay, how am I going to encode this? How am I going to see this, right? So, and there's there could be a hundred ways to do this, but uh, I'll just kind of go through what I would do it. I mean, there's a bit of improvisation, you know, involved here, and it depends on what you gravitate towards, what you think of first. People might think differently, but I would say, okay, well, the important part here is I got to remember a hundred copies, and you know it's for my boss or whatever, right? And I got to do it today, so I'm, I'm going to memorize it. You know, it depends how you store it. If, if if it's for later on, it might be stored differently in case you have some kind of ongoing to do list for the week, 
in some kind of mental calendar. But if it's for today, you know, maybe just keeping it in your mind until you get it done and then getting rid of it is good enough. So a hundred, I might think of a way to visualize a hundred. If, if I have a number system, so I, I would picture Frankenstein for that number. That's who a hundred is in my system. But if somebody didn't have that, right. So I might put my boss's head inside of the photocopier in my mind and imagine just slamming the, the door of it uh, on it, on his head a hundred times, right. Until a hundred copies come out. And I would picture that what it would sound like, how absurdly over the top violent that is. But you know what? I use it in in that sense so that it sticks. Uh, It's just a really memorable picture. But you would want to tell your boss that that's what you did. No, no, no. Yeah, definitely keep that to yourself. Keep that to yourself. um, So the C part, you know, it's, there's an image there. The link part is, okay, so how am I storing this? Well, I, I have to link it to the fact that my boss needs this done, right? That's the important part of this thing. And so I don't want to forget that. So I'm inevitably in my job going to think about my boss or see my boss. So every time that happens, that's going to ensure that this bizarre image comes up, right? This is in the case that I don't take care of it immediately, right? So maybe later on in the day, I'm like, oh, that, you know, you got to remember it before the end of the day. So um, I'm, I'm attaching it to my boss so that I don't forget it that day. And then go, it's just like that extra detail, thought detail that makes it kind of over the top, uncomfortable or weird. Um, so another thing that people often lose or try to remember is like where they left their keys or wallet. And in the book you talk about, well, the easiest thing to do is get yourself a tray where you put everything, do that. Yeah. But let's say there's times when you can't do that and you just sure. have to toss your, how do you remember like where you left your keys? So you're not scrambling for them when you're trying to get to yeah. kids practice. So yeah. So a lot of what I describe in the book is also like kind of managing your life, right? Uh, that's kind of the first thing you can do. And, and I, I say that simple hack of just putting, trying to put your keys in the same spot every day, you know, have a, a little bowl for it. That seems like a cop out, but it's, it's useful. I mean, a lot of the reasons we forget stuff is because we're all over the place, right? If you're a little more mindful about what you do, and if you're very predictable in what you do, then you're kind of preparing yourself for future forgetfulness, you know? And so, it, but if, if you want to go beyond that, then uh, one kind of technique that I like to do when I'm either, let's say, taking medicine or, you know, I put something down and I, I'm kind of certain I might forget it later. What I do is when I put it down or right before I put it down, I do some really weird action to myself, right? So I'll either, I don't know, uh, pinch my nose or, I, sometimes I say something out loud in a really strange voice. It depends where I am, right? If I'm in public or private, which sounds just totally bizarre, but it works because every time afterwards, if I'm trying to remember, oh, where was I when I put down my backpack? I don't know where my backpack is. I'm going to think of me doing that weird sound and where I was when I stood that uh, stood there doing it. And uh, that'll help me remember where the thing was that I put there, whether it's my keys, wallet, backpack, whatever. That, that's, it's a great example of seeing the C-Link go all happen at once because like you're creating the image with doing the weird thing and you're linking that weird thing to where your keys are and then yeah. the go, it's like, it's weird. You're like talking to yourself. Yeah. So you're going to remember it more. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so, you know, the next kind of concern is, well, what if I forget to do that? Right. And, and this is where memory becomes more like a lifestyle, right? A different kind of frame of mind. You have to start remembering to remember. And, you know, people are like, well, how am I going to do that? Well, the more you're aware of your memory and understanding how it works, 
which is what you learn when you get into this world of mnemonics. You start looking at everything that happens to you through this lens of, how can I make this a little, more, a little bit more memorable? How am I going to make this stick? How should I think about it so that it's um, a lot stickier? And that, I think, in itself uh, helps you remember things just way more, even without using some of these weird tactics, you know? Right. Uh, and this can be done with parking, like where you parked. So if you like parked on level B, like I think you talked about, min- imagine your car full of bread. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Think of a word that starts with a B or if you're in the red zone of a garage, think of, you know, your car is just like filled to the brim with gallons of blood. Right. Um, and when you open the door, just like, like out of the shining, when the elevator doors open, it's just like all this blood kind of careening out of the, the, the car. Yeah, you just try to incorporate some kind of image and link it to your car, right? That's where you parked it, and then just make sure to go. So here's a memory thing that happens to people all the time. And when it happens, they're like, oh, man, I'm getting old. Am I getting, they start worrying, am I getting Alzheimer's? Yeah. Uh, it's like they go into a room because they had to go get something there, and they're like, I don't know why I came in here. Yeah. But you actually highlight research that, that it possibly offers a suggestion on why that happens. What, what, why does our brain tend to forget what we went into a room for? Uh, when we get there. Yeah, there's this, this kind of strange phenomenon that when you kind of pass through kind of an entryway, your brain reshifts and, and or resets in a way. And so it's very common that when you walk through that doorway of a room, you may blank out what you were going in there to do. And it's funny, I had a, a conversation with Key from Key and Peele, um, you know, from, the, from Comedy Central. And he, he was the host of a show and we were talking about that very thing. And he said that it's a similar thing when you're memorizing lines for a script. He said when he memorized one page and then he turned the page to the other, that changing of the page, like he could remember that whole page, but then the next page would kind of be separated suddenly because of that disjointness as changing the page. And so we were talking about how, yeah, it's kind of, there's studies that show that just like that separation is your brain kind of resets. So a tip that I give people is to kind of walk back into the room you were before, which will usually not always, but uh, sometimes it helps to kind of remember what you were doing when you're in that previous mindset in the other room. Right. I think that's that, that's that but what your brain's doing is it linked the thing, right. And where you got the idea. So if you're like in your kitchen, you're like, I need to go to the dining room to get uh, my wallet. Well, your yeah. brain probably associated wallet with kitchen because you're already in the kitchen. Exactly. As soon, as soon as you yeah. go to the dining room, it's like, well, yeah, why are you here? So I think that, that's related to that idea that you know geography and memory are, or like navigation and memory are connected, right? Like we we connect ideas with our geographic landscape, and once we move context, like our memory can get messed up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's really where the strong parts of the link method come. Some of the strategies that we use in these memory championships are based off of using actual spatial information to link information to. So we use this idea of a memory palace, which is basically taking a mental blueprint of a place that you know and using that to attach your images to. And it's super effective. Another everyday memory task that we do is remembering names. We talked about that just now a while back ago, but it's just linking the person's name with something you're very familiar with. But I think the the secret is doing that go step and making it really bizarre and absurd so that you remember it even more. So maybe find a feature on the person and then just amplify it, make it a caricature. Yep. 
And then that and you'll, you'll, that's the go part, and you'll probably you'll make cement in like what their name is. Yeah, and also the linking part. Uh, not a lot of people do this with names, but I try to attach it to something about the person, and I tend to use their face just because that's what I'm looking at, and or what I notice when I'm meeting someone for the first time. So you know, if Nelson over there has a big nose, I'd come up with a picture. I'd see his name as an image. So maybe I'd picture Nelson from The Simpsons, right? The, the character. And then I, I want to link it to his nose. So every time I see him, I'm going to notice his nose and there will be the picture that I place there. So I imagine a bully, Nelson from The Simpsons, just beating up on his big old nose and that's why it's big. You know, and I can add as much secret sauce to that to make it pop even further, but um, you, get, you get the idea, you know? And again, like, like you know, thinking of your boss, slamming your boss's head in a copy machine, like you wouldn't want to tell people like the thing you... No. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I'm sorry that my images always come back to being a little violent, but um, they're not always that way. But and, and every person's different, um, you know. You, maybe you want to just go with something that's maybe a little more somber or pleasant. I don't know. Uh, it all depends. You have to find out what works for you. And I'm, I'm just trying to find the things that I know my brain will never forget. No, violence is memorable. Like I, I mean, I, I remember like fights. I wasn't in a kid or like watching a fight. Like when I, like I still remember that, you know, 25 years later. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm thinking of like, I, I wasn't a very confrontational guy, but you know, I had some run-ins with some guys who picked on me in middle school or whatever. And I remember one day this guy just pushed me up against the wall and I, I, it was like the last straw kind of thing. And I remember doing this move on him where I tripped him and pinned him on the floor. And it was just like this thing where I, I can picture it like daylight in my, in my mind, you know, and that's what, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. Remember it. All right. Um, and so you can use that probably for your, like, you know, to peg something, some uh, memory thing you're trying yeah, to remember. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about, uh, let's get a little more advanced here. This is kind of getting to your realm a little bit of, uh, memorizing list of things. So how do you remember a list of things you have to do that have a particular order? So for example, one thing you do is, or people do in these memory games is remember presidents of the United States. Sure. Yeah. I mean, so now when you get into lists of things where order matters, you can, you have, you, you're required or you need now better organization for those pictures because there's a lot of them and they have to be in a certain sequence. So the linking step needs a bit more care. And so the strategies that we use, there's a few out there, but the, the kind of go-to one I had just mentioned was the memory palace. And so when you use memory palace, you basically have this blueprint of a, of a place and you've decided on a route through it. Something that makes sense, right? You know this place, like your house, let's say. You know how to walk through your house. If you close your eyes and start at the front door, you could easily navigate around in your mind. You know it that well. So if you do that while imagining, let's say, the presidents, all the names, pictures for the names along a path from your front door all the way up to your bedroom, you're going to remember that very easily because all you have to do to recall it is walk back through your house and pick up the crazy images that you left there along the way. And so, when, and also when you're thinking of the presidents, like you want to find something about them and make it memorable. So like, you know, for jo- George Washington, yeah. you might make, imagine him as a washing machine. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Washing a washing machine, washing a ton of something. Right. Right. So you have washing ton. Right. And that could be, you know, your doorway. Right. So in your doorway, instead of a door, there's a big washing machine with a ton of, 
And if you, you want to take this even further, you can combine, you know, maybe do two presidents at a time. So maybe the second president is Adams. I think of an Adams apple. So I have apples. That's my picture. So now a washing machine is washing a ton of apples, right? So that image in itself is totally insane. I and mean, imagine walking up to my house and there they are. There is that image uh, as the front door. Never for, going to forget that. And I've already encoded the first two presidents. Right there. And this, this uh, memory palace, this has been around for thousands of years. Yeah. I mean, the origins story says that it comes from the early Greeks, but you know, there's lots of civilizations that use some form of this. I mean, I believe there were some, even some South American cultures using, um, or even African cultures that use kind of these boards that had knots on them or little pieces of just things that they'd attach to this board. And the pathway through the board was basically their memory palace, their portable memory palace. And besides doing a memory palace, another linking tool you can do if you want to remember things in particular order is like think of a story in your head that connects all these things. So you could, instead of, you know, instead of pegging these things to a room in your house, you can just imagine a scene where you see like George Washington as a washing machine doing something with John Adams, who you, you come with some kind of weird picture. And then that's the link. So you just like, all you have to do is remember like the last thing. And once you get to the next thing, you have that connection. So you're able to keep going. Yeah. So one connects to the next, like a link, uh, a connection of uh, linking chains, right? And that that technique is very effective as well. It's very quick because you don't need to set up a memory palace. The downside to it, though, is that if you miss one, if you forget one, then you're going to have a hard time. Uh, You've lost the connection to the next one, right? Whereas with a memory palace, if you skip one or you forget one, you can still keep walking through your house, right? So that's kind of this world is there's, there's some different strategies for different scenarios. Depends, you know, if you have to get something in your head quick, maybe the story uh, method is, is kind of the, the way to go. Or if you have a memory palace ready to go and you want it to, the information to stick there longer, then go with the memory palace. And with the memory palace, like you can have like memory palaces inside memory palaces. So like maybe oh, you have yeah. your whole house, but then you can like use like a single room and have a memory palace in that room. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, it's limitless to what, what you can imagine as a memory palace. You know, some people say, Oh, I live in a tiny apartment. I, I'm limited, but you know, I tell them shrink yourself, right? Imagine you're the size of an ant, right? And now suddenly you have this giant structure to explore, right? You could memorize, you know, a hundred things on just your front door if you wanted to, you know, just because if you looked closely enough at your door, you could make a little pathway through it that, you know, goes from the bottom corner to this little splinter that you noticed to the handle to, you know, every little nook and cranny of that door could potentially be a location where you're storing a piece of information. And I know the ancient Greeks used the memory palace as a way to remember speeches, memorize speeches. So how does how does that look? How do you how can you apply these the C link go with the memory palace to remember a speech you have to give? Yeah, um, and and back in the day, they, that's what they would use the memory palaces for. Is that they would store their speeches and they would put the topics of their what they wanted to say in each location along this path, and so. Text is hard, right? So speech is essentially just text that you want to memorize. And you can go about it a few ways. If you want to memorize just the general ideas, that's one way. Or if you're memorizing a speech verbatim, word for word, that's a little harder, but you got to memorize every single word. 
But essentially the process is the same. Just kind of turn the word or turn the idea into an image and then place it along a path or, or link it. In this case, I would suggest a memory palace. And then when you're giving your speech, all you got to do is think of that place and mentally walk through it as you're reciting your speech. How does this look, this memory palace look for numbers? Because, and, and so I guess the, the trick there is how do you turn a number into, which is very abstract, into a visual thing? Yep. So the, the tricky thing with numbers becomes the C part. How do I encode it? And there's a few methods to do that as well, but it essentially hinges around making these numbers into words. And then those words suddenly just becomes like memorizing words, which is easier. Gotcha. And uh, you talked about earlier, you mentioned like Frankenstein's 100. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So my system, it's a bit complicated, but every three digit number, I have a preset person for it. And 100 happens to be Frankenstein. So, so you could, this is something, so this is as an, a memory athlete, what you've done is you've gone sort of done some work ahead of time where you've exactly. made, you've assigned certain things. So three digit numbers assigned to person, like do you have like two digit numbers that are assigned a specific type of thing? Yep. So, well, when I started, I actually started with just a two digit system. So every number from zero, zero to 99 was something. And I actually use a, a, a method called person action object. So Every two-digit number had a person, but also an action and an object associated with it. And um, that way, if I ever saw a group of six digits, I would split it up in two, two, and two. The first two being a person, the next two being an action, and then the last two being an object. And what that allows for is for me to come up with a very creative scene, you know, a person doing something with a something. And uh, I would place that in a memory palace as I go. And each little image is now taking up six digits, which is a really nice way to kind of compress data. And then, yeah, from then on, I tried to expand. Well, if I can memorize six, who's to say I can't put seven or eight, right, in one location? I just got to come up with more images to represent larger numbers. Well, there's another trick you did there when you're memorizing numbers, like say a long number, uh, is you're your chunking numbers. And so instead of like trying to remember single numbers by themselves, you're looking, okay, what is, I can look remember three numbers a lot easier than just three individual numbers. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is often a strategy too when I'm trying to memorize is, is like, what's the most efficient way to smush this data down, right? And that's called chunking, right? So sometimes like if you look at a number and it's just meaningless, it's just a big chunk of numbers, but if you maybe separate it out into something that looks like a phone number, right? Like a three-digit area code, three-digit first part of the number, and then the four digits at the end, maybe suddenly now it's a little easier to read and absorb because you chunk it now as a phone number, right? Three, three, and four, rather than 10 all at once, you know? Yeah, one thing that I do, I I don't do the link thing, but just I do a lot of chunking when I have to remember like a a 10-digit number. I'll just try to remember in groups of three, Right. So it's like, it's instead of saying yeah. 520, it's 520. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. 520 as one thing is a lot easier than thinking 520. Exactly. But then if I want to take this up a notch, I could assign 520, like a Frankenstein doing the moonwalk or something. Yeah. So yeah, for me, 520 is the character from the show Flight of the Concords. I don't know if you ever watched that one. Brit? Which one? It wasn't Brit. It was uh, Mel, you know, the okay. weird yeah. chick, right? So that number, those three digits suddenly is this really colorful, funny comedian that 
whatever I think about it, I laugh and can picture her in all the episodes. You know, it's, it's suddenly got this ton of, a ton of imagery to work with, right? Rather than this dry set of three digits. Wasn't Mel also, isn't she Mabel in Gravity Falls? The cartoon? I don't know. I, didn't, I never saw that. I know she was in the Last Man on Earth show as yeah. well. Well, now I'm going to associate 520 with Mabel from Gravity Falls <laughs> from here on out. So you're doing all these things, but is there a place for review? Like, do you have, constantly have to review this stuff in order for you to remember it? Like, do you have to review your your things you've linked? Like, do you have to review that you've assigned 100 to Frankenstein? Yeah, this is something that I had to practice and review a lot at first. It's a thousand different things, right? But uh, after a while you know, by using it a lot in practice, uh, it's almost become a language that I'm fluent in. You know, I look at 520 and I don't have to say like, well, okay, that was this and this. Uh, oh, no. Okay. No, not anymore. It's, it's 520 is Mel. You know, I look at that number and it's like, I'm looking at an episode of flight of the Concords, right? I don't even have to think about it. And that's, that's, that's what you want out of these systems so that you can spend, the least amount of time trying to remember what everything represents and actually focus on the pictures and remembering the pictures. Here's another question about the memory palace. Do you use certain places for certain types of memory tasks? Like, and like, do you only use them once just for that memory task? I can imagine there could be an issue if you try to use your house for memorizing multiple like things, like there could be some bleed over going on. Yeah. So part of this lifestyle of, of memorizing things, you want to have a number of memory palaces and you want to manage them correctly. So, you know, you're going to have some memory palaces that hold information that you'd like to keep forever. That's not going to change, you know, think of stuff like the presidents or the periodic table, right. Or world capitals, that kind of stuff, like stuff you just want to know, or stuff you're studying for your job or for school, whatever you would choose a memory palace or create a memory palace and dedicate it to that alone, just so that you don't mess with the contents, you know, and confuse it with anything else. But then I also have a ton of memory palaces that I use for stuff that is, you know, for one day I need it to remember my to-do list. And then by tomorrow, I hope to forget it. And what I do is I'll have, say, a a cycle of memory palaces that um, are on rotation. And day one, today, I'll use this one, right? And then tomorrow, I'll use the next one and so on. And then by the time I've used them all, I start back over and hopefully by then I've forgotten what was in it the first time. You know? So, so basically what I'm saying is some of these memory palaces, I, I practice forgetting the contents, right? I have to get good at forgetting some of the stuff because I need to tape over it. When you uh, do your memory palace, like when you're visualizing it, are you like, do you imagine yourself doing like first person, like doom style, right? Where you're going through the room like that <laughs> or do like, do you imagine? Cause when I think of memory palace, I'm always imagining you guys remember, remember family circus yeah, 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 yeah. where Billy like yeah. goes through the house, you know, shows like him going through like the, the backyard and these weird trails to do things. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, how do you, how do you visualize that when you're going through your memory? <laughs> That's a good question. I think people do it differently, but I, I'm more first person. And so like, everything's kind of like, I'm looking at it. You know, sometimes you have, to, I float around. Sometimes I feel like I'm a part of it. It really varies, but I think more than not, it's kind of like this first person shooter view uh, that you mentioned. Gotcha. So it's, and it's going to, all these things are going to be different for different people. You got to use what works for you. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's your mind, right? And And we all think differently. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of giving people through my book and what I'm saying now a, a general idea, but ultimately you have to figure out 
by trying it, what your brain gravitates to. But the basics of it all is, is stuff that we all can do, namely that we can see pictures in our mind and we can use spatial information to really store it well. So Nelson, let's say there's someone wants to try to start putting this stuff into action, like radically listen to the show. Like what's like an easy memorizing task that can really help them start greasing the wheels for this stuff? Yeah, I think a great place to start is to try to remember names. You meet people all all day long, all week long, and it doesn't hurt if, I mean, it sometimes hurts if you forget someone's name, but how is it any different than what you're currently doing? You know, you lose nothing by trying this now. And it's it's a free kind of game app that's available all around you. So I really suggest people try with that, make the effort, and then try to see Link go with remembering names and once you have that, you know, you feel a little more confident, then, you know, try and maybe memorize something that you're interested in, right? Something that you've always wanted to learn or whether that's a poem or periodic table, whatever. You know, I, I hate for people to try to memorize or use these techniques to memorize something that they find completely boring. You know, for me, I like to memorize by practicing the events of these competitions, which is cards, numbers, names, all that stuff. But for the everyday person, maybe all they want to do is just memorize their to-do list. So do it. That's, that's what you're going to practice with every day. Well, Nelson, where can people go to learn more about the book and your work? Yep. Uh, my book is called Remember It. It's available pretty much anywhere online, Amazon, Books and Books, whatever. So if you just look for it, you'll find it. You can also find a lot of information on these techniques on my YouTube page. If you just search for my name, Nelson Dallas, you'll find my page. There's a bunch of free tips and fun little videos. And then my website, nelsondellis.com. You can learn more about me and get in touch with me if you have any questions. Fantastic. Well, Nelson Dellis, thanks for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. My guest today was Nelson Dellis. He is a memory athlete and the author of the book, Remember It. It's available on amazon.com and bookstores everywhere. You can find out more information about his work at his website, nelsondellis.com. Also check out our show notes at aom.is slash remember it. We can find links to resources. We can delve deeper into this topic. Well, that wraps up another edition of the AOM Podcast. Check out our website at artofmanliness.com where you can find our podcast archives. There's over 500 episodes there. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter so you never miss any of our articles or updates when we publish something. And if you'd like to enjoy ad-free episodes of the Art of Manliness Podcast, you can do so on Stitcher Premium. Head over to Stitcher Premium, use code MANLINESS to sign up. You'll get a free month trial. After you sign up, download the Stitcher app on Android or iOS and you can start enjoying ad-free new episodes of the Art of Manliness Podcast. And if you haven't done so already, I'd appreciate it if you take one minute to give us a review on Stitcher or iTunes. Helps out a lot. And if you've done that already, thank you. Please consider sharing the show with a friend or family member who you think would get something out of it. As always, thank you for the continued support. And until next time, this is Brett McKay. Remind you not only to listen to the AWIN podcast, but put what you've heard into action. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.